listening to the Lock for Dope podcast, starring Connor Hooley and Steve Carter, the place to be to beat the bookies. Welcome back to another episode of Lock for Dub. I am your host, Connor, alongside me, Steve. Steve, how we doing, buddy? All is well, my man. We had a uh, big week in our predictions, by far our best week. So, I mean, it's obviously a great thing. I'm excited for us to get back to work. How you feeling, my man? I'm feeling great, man. We killed it last week, dude. We went very good against the spread, very well against the over-under. If anybody listened to the podcast last week and uh, slapped some money down, you had definitely made out good. There's a couple, couple big parlays that I hit on. I was pretty happy last week. Yeah, wow, you did. You uh, you sent me a couple of loads, and whew, we did well. So with that going, uh, my question to you uh, this evening is going to be, Connor, who is the favorite to win the NFC East? Or should I say the NFC least? I believe it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. I can see them getting a lot healthier here down the road. Don't know if Alshon will be back. He's been questionable for about the last month. No, no Deshaun Jackson. But uh, Jalen Rager is supposed to be back in a few weeks. They'll probably get Goddard and Ertz back around the same time in about a month, per se. So I believe they'll be the healthiest team. And they're leading the league in sacks, too. So that defense can get it done. I think they're going to win the NFC least. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's definitely an interesting debate. But I think Dallas is really the only other true contender there. I'm not really sure... Washington and the Giants are going to be able to compete outside of that division to where I think where Philly has a good enough defense um, and obviously with them getting healthier on the offense side of the ball that'll only benefit them. So I think Washington is way more of a contender than Dallas Steve. I really like the way Kyle Allen put it on the Dallas Cowboys last week. I like their young running back Antonio Gibson and Scary Terry is always a beast outside. Logan Thomas had a good game last week so I think that team can get it done. I feel much more confident in their ability to win the division than I do the Dallas Cowboys but still hands down I'm going to pick the Eagles to win. Have you been impressed with how the Giants have played lately? They've kind of been in some games, won a game a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're starting to hang around some of these games. Do you think that there's any opportunity there with how well that defense has played? Yeah, it's the it's their run defense that's getting it done. They're still a top 10 run defense. And we said this earlier in the year on an earlier podcast. We said, I wonder how long that top 10 Giants run defense is going to stay there. And it stayed there, and we're halfway through the season. So they can definitely stop teams from running the football uh, Danny Dimes, I mean, sorry, turnover Danny. You know, he, he can get it done to a certain extent, but no, I, I'm not sold on the Giants at all. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not there. I just, I think they turn over the ball too much. And I understand Carson Wentz is uh, up there in the interception category leading the league. But um, I just think he's trying to do too, so much with way less where I think Danny has like true turnover issues. Mm. All right, we just spent way too much time talking about the NFC East, so <laughs> let's move on here. All right, if anybody's been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been doing a jersey giveaway, and we are going to, actually, we already did the randomization, and the winner of the autographed DeAndre Hopkins jersey is 
Corey Richmond. Thank you, Corey. You had a ton of entries from answering all the questions correctly on our YouTube page. A huge plus to the podcast, giving us things to talk about. So always putting in your two cents. We love to hear from our listeners. And Corey will be in contact with you shortly to ship out your DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Yeah, congratulations, Corey. Super excited. Um, like uh, Connor said, the dedication you put towards our page, you take the time and listen. Um, obviously, I know that from our conversations, you coming back with uh, stuff that we said on the podcast to talk about. So uh, truly excited for you. And hopefully for the second half of the season, when we start our next giveaway, which um, Connor can get into, um, you know, hopefully you guys uh, take the opportunity to get in on that one and get as many entries as Corey, and hopefully we can have an even better second giveaway here. Yep, our giveaways are not done just yet. We're going to be doing another one end of season, probably the same stipulations. Uh, subscribe to the page, answer the question of the week, and uh, yep, this uh, this podcast is going great. Thank you, everyone, that's been listening and giving their two cents. Uh, we love it all. All right, so now we will get into the show. We're going to talk about some news and notes. The headlines. Antonio Brown has been signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Steve, and I really want to get in depth to this because uh, Chris Godwin just broke his finger. Mike Evans has really kind of been hit or miss, underperforming, I'd say, especially the last few years. How do you think AB is going to fit in the Tampa Bay offense? And what is the chemistry that Tom Brady has with Antonio Brown? I don't understand how they're boys, but they just seem to click for some reason. Yeah, so Tom Brady has vowed to get Antonio Brown in New England. and It looks like he's done it again, and they get him in Tampa Bay. So there's obviously some kind of connection. I don't know if it's because of how good he knows that Antonio Brown is or if it's a true, like, genuine connection. I mean, a lot of people say – well, how were Brady and Gronk boys? Because they kind of seem like two opposite people. I think another aspect to this, we don't really know who Brady is because the Patriot way kind of hides your personality. So I don't know if we have like a true great gauge on on Tom Brady as a person. Obviously, he seems like this quiet guy and this and that. But is that who he is or is that the Patriot way? Because we kind of see him more coming up in Tampa because they don't really have that restriction on your personality. So, but, I mean, I think this is a great opportunity for Antonio Brown. Like he has to change his life around. That's the most important thing here. The guy was completely quiet in Pittsburgh. And then Juju Smith Schuster had the one year. He got hit by Montez Bushwick in the head. And it just kind of changed a lot of things about Antonio Brown. So, I mean, you have Bruce Arians and you got Tom Brady, like, come on, man, let's change your life around. I do think you're a tremendous talent. I I think, I think he's going to fit well in this offense. He seems like the guy that Brady can trust and has trust in. So I think that's a huge add. He's a guy super talented. There's no, there's no denying that. I don't know how good of friends they are off the field, but I know Brady likes throwing two wide open receivers. And what better receiver to get out in space than Antonio Brown? I think that's why Tom Brady got him because he knows that AB knows how to make space. He knows how to find space, knows how to get open. And he's one of the best at it. And that's how he's made all his money doing that. One of the greatest route runners I've ever witnessed. Uh, Another high prized, well, I don't know if I'd say high prized, but another big name wide receiver that is no longer a free agent. Dez Bryant has signed to the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore with a couple big pickups signing Yannick Ngakwe as well. It's going to help the pass rush tremendously. Steve, I want to get your take. We haven't seen Dez in a few years. How do you think he's going to fit in the Baltimore Ravens scheme? I think, actually, Connor, so it's funny that we're talking about this because I believe it was either last week or two weeks ago I asked you, who's that Anquan Bolden type guy? 
I kind of could see Des becoming that if he still has that ability. So there's obviously the concern that he hasn't played in a couple of years after tearing his Achilles. The guy looks like he's still in great shape. The guy looks like he takes care of his body. He looks like he puts in all the work. I'm not really concerned about that. I'm excited to see him. I think he can actually have a huge impact because I think he can become another another guy that can just get you first downs when you need him. And that's really where Lamar kind of lacks because, yes, he has Mark Andrews, but outside of Mark Andrews, like Marcus Boykin really hasn't lived up. Marquis Brown's more down-the-field kind of guy. That's just kind of what that. So I do think guys can actually really help the Baltimore Ravens if he can still get it done. Yeah, anybody that's been following Dez on social media for the last few years sees ever since the injury, he's been working his tail off to get back to the league. And he's only 31 years old, which is crazy. He's a, he's a year younger than Antonio Brown, and everybody thinks Des Bryant is this old man, this grandpa is never going to come back to the league. I think he can still get it done. Taking a few years off, his body should be healed. Des Bryant's just that big target that we need. Miles Boykin has proved to be an utter disappointment these last couple of years. I really thought he was going to turn it on, but... Yeah, I think good things are going to come from that. And it's just another huge target for Lamar to throw to, which is good because he's really good throwing to the big targets. He was really good throwing to Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst last year. So I think they're going to click together quite well. All right, now to get into some injuries. Uh, Steve Odell Beckham Jr. for your Brownies. Torres ACL out for the year. And quickly, I want to get your take on this because you told me, or I saw for myself that... After Odell left the game, Baker Mayfield seemed to throw the ball better. His numbers were up, so I want to get your take on this. Is this going to help or hurt the Browns? So there's obviously something to talk about because the numbers with Baker in his rookie year were way better than they were in his second year, and OBJ wasn't there his rookie year, and then when OBJ came in, it was just kind of... Baker and OBJ just don't have... They just have like this weird connection. It's not as fluid as you would hope. So I understand that, but let's be honest. Like, like defensive people, defensive coordinators lose sleep over trying to figure out how they're going to slow down Odell Beckham Jr. They don't lose sleep over losing on um, how to defend Rashard Higgins. Now, on the flip to that, Kevin Stefanski really developed St- Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and who was their receivers when Adrian Peterson was in that backfield? Stefanski wasn't the offensive coordinator back then, but he was still in that offensive system. So he's really developed receivers nicely. So I'm not going to say they're better. It's definitely going to be a big loss, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, Odell is definitely good at um, taking away the defense's best weapon because you got to put your best corner on Odell, no doubt. He can still get it done. We saw a couple weeks prior when he had uh, two or three touchdowns against the Bengals. That was a good performance. But I'm anxious to see the ball distribution now that uh, you're not going to be have to feeding uh, – OBJ targets. So we'll see how this all plays out. Some more injuries to get to. Uh, Kenyon Drake has a high ankle sprain. He is out multiple weeks. In come Chase Edmonds. And I think Chase Edmonds is that good. Kenyon Drake might not get his job back. Uh, Chris Carson has a foot sprain. He'll be out multiple weeks. In comes Carlos Hyde. And Chris Carson was injured earlier in the year. And Carlos Hyde really didn't impress me. So let's see how this works the second time around. For the 49ers, Debo Samuel and Jeff Wilson are both out multiple weeks. Uh, The Cowboys deal Everson Griffin to the Lions for a sixth-round pick. And the Panthers release cornerback Eli Apple, so he again finds himself without a job. Getting into some questions and comments, uh, last week's question was, 
Since Pat Mahomes took over as the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, how many times have the team run for 200 yards of total offense, which they did against the Buffalo Bills last week? The answer was one. That is the only time that they've done it. Probably because Patrick Mahomes always throws for 400 yards a game, so they don't tend to run the ball too much. And the new question of the week Justin Herbert has started his NFL career throwing for 250 passing yards in his first five starts. Who is the only other quarterback in NFL history to accomplish that? Let us know who you think it is and leave your comment down below and this will gain you an extra entry into our end of season giveaway, which will be another autographed piece of NFL memorabilia. Not sure what it is yet. We haven't picked it out, but we'll pick out another good one. Don't you guys worry. All right, uh, getting into some comments here. I had a comment from Luke, which kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't think much of it at first, but the more I sat down and actually looked at it. So uh, here it is. Luke asks, with a struggling Patriots team, how long until the Pats move on from Bill Belichick, Steve? Never. Um, I believe he is set up for life. I mean, just what he's done for 20 years they made the determination that they were going to live with Bill Belichick longer than Tom Brady when they let Tom Brady walk. I think if that was would have been the other way around, the other way around, and Belichick really didn't want Brady, then they would have decided to stick with Brady. So I just don't think that'll happen until Bill Belichick hangs it up. I'm not sure how good of friends Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick are, but if the Patriots, let's just say, it's probably not going to happen, but what happens if the Patriots only win two more games the rest of the year? Stidham comes in or whatever. They go four and twelve. Next year, another uh, six and ten, five and eleven season. You, you wouldn't be concerned for Bill Belichick's job then? Not at all. Just because he has the history, he has everything he needs. He's proven who he is. Yes, he, he's right now. He doesn't necessarily have that quarterback that he needs, but he will. He'll, he'll figure that position out. Um, I think he's just realizing that it's way harder just to get a quarterback than the way it worked out. You don't get six-round guys that turn out to be Tom Brady every day. That'll probably never happen again. Um, so with that, I'm just going to – I don't know. I just I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be on the hot seat unless it's like five years of just straight losing. And I just don't see that happening with Belichick. He works way too hard. Yeah, no, I see him retiring well before he has five losing seasons. He's getting pretty up there in age. I don't see him coaching for very much longer. Uh, he also added, and you could probably speak on this – better than I can, Steve, because you've watched a lot more of him. Why is J.K. Dobbins not getting the touches along with his drafted counterparts? Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers have all had more touches than J.K. Dobbins this year. Um, because I just clearly think that it's going to be more scheme in Baltimore this year. They thought Mark Ingram was going to be the lead back. Well, the hot hand right now is Gus Edwards. So if Gus Edwards is going to keep the hot hand, I just think that's where Baltimore is going to go. I don't think Baltimore has to change because Gus has been really good for them. So I think until something other changes, I don't think it's going to be different. Um, we saw in Indianapolis, Marlon Mack go down for the season. So that gave Jonathan Taylor the lead role back there. We see them getting DeAndre Swift more involved. They've won their last few games since they've, they, since they've done that. So that's why he's been getting more involved. Right now, J.K. Dobbins hasn't changed the game for the Ravens because of how good Gus Edwards has been. It's nothing on J.K. Dobbins. He's going to be great. Right now, it's Gus Edwards' role. Yeah, and the thing with J.K. Dobbins, he wasn't drafted to be a starting running back. Jonathan Taylor was picked in the first round to be a starting running back for the Colts. DeAndre Swift was picked in the second round to be the starting running back for the Lions. 
And Cam Akers, I believe they drafted him to be the starting running back. Hasn't really worked out in his favor. He's been dinged up with injuries. But I could see Dobbins getting a lot more touches here in the second half of the season because Mark Ingram has been struggling all year. And uh, one last thing, Steve, I want to get to before we get into rapid fire is the Mike Thomas trade rumors. He's had a rough 2020, along with a lot of us, but Mike Thomas especially, he's been injured. He's gotten into fights with teammates. Uh, the trade deadline is less than a week away. Could you see the uh, Saints moving on from MT after signing him to that massive deal in the offseason? Uh, I can't. They just signed him to a big deal, and I just think he's too talented. Um, obviously, everyone says he runs the underneath routes and yada yada. I don't care. I don't care what he runs. He's really good, and Drew Brees needs that. This offense needs that. They're going to compete for a Super Bowl. They paid Alvin Kamara all that money because they're trying to compete for a Super Bowl right now. This team's in win-right-now mode, so this might come back up in the offseason. Maybe they'll get entertained in the offseason before in a week. There's no way this is happening. No, you'd have to give up a pick, and you'd have to find the money to pay that uh, big contract that he signed. Yeah, I don't see him leaving either. All right, now it's uh, time to drop some deuces, your new favorite segment of the week. Boo! Deucing on them! The Dallas Cowboys, America's favorite team. I bet you guys against the Washington team of football, and you guys are going to sit here and let the worst rushing offense run for 5.3 yards per carry on you. You let your quarterback get drilled in the head. Cowboys fans are sitting here crying, oh, Jason Garrett's the issue. Jason Garrett's the issue. He can't win the big ones. Well, now you got a coach that can't even win you a game against some of the worst teams in the NFL. Andy Dalton is now hurt, and now you guys go to Ben DiNucci. Now your season is scrapped. I was big on you guys before the season. Zeke, you tell me you're the best running back in the NFL. You get paid like it, and what have you done since? You've been absolutely terrible this year. I am done with these Cowboys, Connor. I am deucing on them all day. Boo! Deucing on them. I am deucing on you, Matt Ryan, and the whole Atlanta Falcons team. You guys were two and a half points favored versus the Lions at home. Everyone's giving Todd Gurley shit. Should have fell down before the goal line. Well, it's not on Todd Gurley. It's on the whole team. It's on the defense. You can't tell your running back what happens if the kick gets botched. Uh, people miss extra points all the time. I know extra points from the 15-yard line now, but still, regardless, only put up 22 points against a bottom-half Detroit Lions team. I thought this offense was supposed to be one of the best in the league. Matt Ryan, you threw for 338. Good job. Could only muster up one touchdown. You got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, you're telling me you're only going to score 22 points against the Lions and then all your fans are going to be after Todd Gurley because he scored a touchdown? Shouldn't have even been 22 points. Pitiful performance versus a subpar team. I expect more out of this Atlanta Falcons offense. Deucing on the whole offense. All right, uh, anything else you want to chime in before we get into rapid fire here, Steve? Uh, just another interesting trade that went down earlier today that we didn't speak on with us. Carlos Dunlap to Seattle. Carlos Dunlap has lost his job in Cincinnati. Um, I do believe that it's a good ad for uh, Seattle, though. Um, veteran pass rusher. Carlos Dunlap has been good for whatever reason. He has been great this year. I don't know if it's about opportunity. I don't know the whole situation. He didn't seem happy on Twitter. So now he gets a new home. I think this could be a big ad for Seattle moving down the, down the line here. Carlos Dunlap's a hell of a player, and Seattle needs all the help they can get on the defensive side of the football. So, All right, with that being said, let's get into rapid fire. 
everyone's second favorite segment of the week. Let's go rapid fire. This is a week seven recap, starting with the Thursday night football game. The New York Giants fall to the Philadelphia Eagles, a score of 21 to 22. Daniel Jones goes 20 to 30 for 187, two touchdowns, interception, and a fumble. Nice. Wayne Gallman, leading rusher, 10 carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. And Sterling Shepard, and I'm sure Giants fans are glad that he's back, 6 for 59 and a touchdown. Carson Wentz goes 25 of 43 for 359, two scores and a pick. Boston Scott goes 12 of 46 on the ground, a pretty quiet game until he catches the game-winning touchdown. Richard Rodgers, leading receiver, six catches for 85 yards. Moving on to Sunday, some real football. Here we go. Carolina Panthers fall to the New Orleans Saints, a score of 24 to 27. Teddy Bridgewater goes 23 to 28 for 254 and two scores. Mike Davis, seven carries, 12 yards. When is Christian McCaffrey getting back? DJ Moore, leading receiver, finally coming to life. Four catches, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. Drew Brees goes 29 to 36 for 287 and two scores. Alvin Kamara, 14 carries, 83 yards. And the leading receiver for New Orleans, Marquez Callaway? Huh? Eight catches, 75 yards. Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets 18 to 10. Josh Allen goes 30 of 43 for 307 yards. Leading rusher, Zach Moss, seven carries for 47 yards. And Cole Beasley leading the way through the air, 11 catches for 112 yards. Sam Darnold goes 12 of 24 for 120 and two picks. Frank Gore, 11 carries, 60 yards. Denzel Mims, leading receiver, four catches, 42 yards. Steve, what is going on with Josh Allen and these Buffalo Bills? They've looked really bad these last three weeks. Yeah, I'm not really sure. He went from being a huge chance to win MVP, and now that's not the case no more. Hopefully he can get back on track. I'm just not so sure it's going to happen against New England this weekend. The Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a shootout, 37-34. Baker starts the game 0-5 in a pick. OBJ gets hurt. Let's go, Baker. 22-28, 297, five passing touchdowns and a pick. Kareem Hunt goes 18 carries for 76 yards. Rashad Higgins, six catches, 110 yards. Joe Burrow, 35-47 for 406, three touchdowns and a pick. Giovanni Bernard. 13 carries, 37 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Tyler Boyd, 11 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. The Dallas Cowboys fall to the Washington team of football, a score of 25-3. Andy Dalton goes 9-19 of for 75 yards and a pick before getting his head nearly taken off by John Bostick. Feed Zeke, 12 carries, 45 yards. Didn't eat much today. Amari Cooper, 7 catches, 80 yards. Kyle Allen goes 15 to 25 for 194 and two touchdowns. Antonio Gibson, 20 carries, 128 yards and a touchdown. Have a day. And Scary Terry leads the way through the air. Seven catches, 90 yards and a score. The Green Bay Packers take out the Houston Texans, 35 to 20. Aaron Rodgers goes 23 to 34, 283 and four passing touchdowns. Jamal Williams had a nice day, 19 carries, 77 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams. 13 catches, 196 yards, and two scores. Have a day, Devontae. Deshaun Watson goes 29-39 for 309 and two touchdowns. David Johnson, 14 carries, 42 yards, and Randall Cobb, eight catches, 95 yards. Steve, is Aaron Rodgers back on track after this four-touchdown game? 
Absolutely. And he gets another team to get with a bad defense again this week. Expect him to have another big week. The Detroit Lions beat the Atlanta Falcons 23-22. Matt Stafford goes 25-36 for 340 and a touchdown. Adrian Peterson, 11 touches for 29 yards. And Kenny Galladay, 6 catches, 114 yards. Matt Ryan, 31 of 42 for 388 and a score. Todd Gurley, 23 carries, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. Julio, eight catches and 97 yards. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans 27 to 24. Big Ben goes 32 of 49, 268, two touchdowns, and three costly interceptions all in the second half. James Conner, 20 carries, 82 yards, and Juju Smith-Schuster, haven't heard his name too much this year. Leading receiver, nine catches, 85 yards. Ryan Tannehill, 18 to 30 for 220, two touchdowns. King Henry, 20 carries, 75 yards. An okay outing against the number one rushing defense. AJ Brown, six catches, 153 yards, and a score. Have a day, AJ Brown. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Las Vegas Raiders 45 to 20. Tom Brady goes 33 of 45 for 369 and four passing touchdowns. Leonard Fournette leading ball carrier, 11 carries, 50 yards. Scotty Miller leading receiver, six catches, 109 yards, and a score. Derek Carr goes 24 of 36 for 284, two scores and a pick. Jalen Richard, seven carries, 24 yards. And Nelson Aguilar, five catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos 42 to 16 in a whiteout game up in Mile High. Pat Mahomes goes 15 to 23 for 201 touchdown. Clyde Edwards Elaire, eight carries, 46 yards, and a score. Nicole Hardman, leading receiver, two catches, 57 yards. Drew Locke goes 24 of 40 for 254 and two picks. Philip Lindsay, nine carries, 79 yards before going out with a concussion. And Albert O. Alberto, leading receiver, seven catches, 60 yards. Let's go, Alberto. Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Los Angeles Chargers, 29 to 39. A late cover there by the Chargers made betters happy. Gardner Minshew goes 14 to 27, 173 and two scores. James Robinson, 22 carries, 119 yards and a score. Have a day. James Robinson been having a good year. LaVisca Chenault, three catches, 44 yards. Justin Herbert, 27 of 43 for 347 and three passing touchdowns. Also had one on the ground. Josh Kelly, 12 carries, 29 yards. And Keenan Allen, 10 catches, 125 yards. Steve, is Justin Herbert breaking away for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Oh, man, that's tough to call right now. The only, the only reason why that's tough is because Joe Burrow is third in passing yards in the NFL, so let's stay tuned. going to be a great race. The San Francisco 49ers beat the New England Patriots 33-6. Jimmy Garoppolo, 20-25 for 277 and two interceptions. Jeff Wilson, 17 touches, 112 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Have a day, Jeff Wilson. Brandon Ayuk, leading receiver, six catches, 115 yards. Cam Newton, 9 of 15 for 98 yards and three interceptions. Sit his ass on the bench. Bring in Jarrett Stidham, 6 of 10, 64 yards, and a pick. Well, Damian Harris, 10 carries, 58 yards, and Jacoby Myers, the leading receiver, four catches, 60 yards. And getting to the Sunday night game, one of the most exciting games I have ever watched personally. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Seattle Seahawks in overtime, 37 to 34. 
Russ Wilson goes 33 of 50 for 388, three touchdowns and three costly interceptions. Carlos Hyde, 15 carries, 68 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, 15 catches, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Have a day, Tyler Lockett. I know you won some people some fantasy matchups last week. Kyler Murray goes 34 of 48 for 360, three scores and one pick. Chase Edmonds, leading rusher, five carries, 58 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches, 103 yards, and a score. And in the Monday night football game, the Los Angeles Rams take out the Chicago Bears at a score of 24 to 10. Nick Foles, 28 of 40 for 261 and two picks. David Montgomery, 14 carries, 48 yards. Allen Robinson, four catches, 70 yards. Jared Goff goes 23 of 33 for 219 and two scores. Daryl Henderson, leading rusher, 15 carries, 64 yards. And Josh Reynolds, leading receiver, four catches, 52 yards and one. Steve, talking about the Monday night game, how far can this defense actually take the Chicago Bears? Because you know the offense isn't very prolific. They only held the Rams to 24 points. The defense did its job. They had a couple short fields. And the punter, Johnny Hecker, had a day. Put all his punts inside the 10. But, Steve, how far can the Chicago team go with the offense struggling the way it is? Oh, Connor, this is probably the most fraud 5-1 and one team that we – sorry, 5-2 and two now fraud team that we saw in some time. Um, I just don't think they're going to – I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs the way they're – the offense is playing. They're due to go into a slump here coming up. Uh, the division's a little tougher than people think. Uh, sorry, Connor. I'm actually going to be out on the Bears. I don't think it's going to be enough to get them very far this season. Well, if you enjoyed last week, you're definitely going to love this week. We absolutely hammered last week. Our best week to date, and we want to keep the hot streak going. So starting with the Thursday night game, week eight projections, we are talking the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Carolina to play the Panthers, Steve, and Vegas has the Panthers favored by two and a half points in this game. The Falcons, there's just so much to be said about Atlanta. They've had, I saw this stat on ESPN, they've lost three games now where they had a 98% chance to win the game at one point in the game. And what they're doing is just truly like unbelievable. It went from Dan Quinn. Now they got the new guy. Connor, I got to ask you something real quick. Todd Gurley falling into the end zone. Was that, was that um, something he's going to try to use for his contract or did he accidentally fall into the end zone? He wanted to stop before the goal line, but I think he made, I mean, I don't know if it's the right decision because they ended up losing the game. But your defense has to stop the Lions. They've only scored twice, was it two touchdowns before that in 59 minutes of football. They had 80-plus uh, yards to go with a minute six on the clock. Your defense has to stop them. That's unacceptable. You can't blame that on Todd Gurley. That goes 100% on the Atlanta Falcons' defense. Yeah, and it's just truly incredible what's going on in Atlanta. That defense has been terrible. So, like you said, we want to keep this hot streak going. I'm going to keep going with the way I've been trending. I'm fading this whole game again. I don't, I'm not good at Thursday night games. I've been terrible. That's fine. I just know I can't, I'm not going to play it. Um, right now, Connor, I would probably uh, go with the Panthers right now. I just like the way they're playing. Atlanta is so bad. Um, the thing with Carolina right now, is I'm really concerned that they're going to kind of flip into who we thought they were. Their defense is kind of starting to slip. Their offense, 
Yeah, I understand their offense is good. They're only scoring 23 points a game, which is eighth worst in the NFL. So the stats, the stats do look good. They have the 11th most yards in the NFL per game. They're a below average on, in rushing. Uh, their, de- their defense is, I just, I don't know. I just think it's starting to trend the other way. And this is going to be another test for that defense because this offense is really good. They had the third most passing yards per game in Atlanta at 295.6. And, uh, yeah, they just, I don't know, Connor. I don't like this game. It's a division game. It's a short week. Both teams coming off losses. Both teams are actually kind of coming off tough losses. I'm just going to fade the Panthers at minus two and a half. Yeah, the last game was definitely a tough loss for Atlanta. I'm not too sure about the Panthers, though. They played the Saints uh, pretty damn well. And I hammered the Saints to keep that game within one possession. And they did a very good job at it. They were up in the second half. Saints are a hell of a football team, though. But uh, Atlanta, man, what can you say about the Falcons? They're just blowing leads steady. Here's a fourth quarter lead blown. Here's another one. You want one too, Detroit? Well, you get one as well. For Atlanta, their defense has picked up as of lately, though. They've only allowed their opponents scoring 23 points in exactly their last three games, which includes the Panthers that they played uh, three weeks ago. Atlanta has the number three passing offense, but scoring-wise, super boomer bust. They got two games scoring 39 and 40 points, and they got three games scoring 22 or less. Carolina, been playing great teams good all year. Top 10 pass defense. Teddy Bridgewater has still been super efficient in his last five games, an average passer rating of 103. Carolina's coming off two straight losses, both won possessions to the 5-1 Bears and the 4-2 Saints. I still am really high on this Carolina Panthers team. I know you keep saying we're going to see who they really are if we are who they we think that we thought they are. But I think they're a hell of a football team, and I am hammering them minus 2.5 to beat the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night football. I've been no better than you picking these games, but my luck is going to change. Hammering the Panthers, minus 2.5. Give me the over-under, uh, 51.5. Yeah, this one seems pretty easy to me, but like I said, I'm just not good at these, so I'm not going to touch it. 51 and a half does seem like a lot, but both these offenses are really good. The, the Falcons are scoring 26.3 points per game, which is 13th most in the NFL, which I talked about the Panthers give it, only scoring 23, but if you add those two together, it's just under. But these defenses are just not really there. The Falcons are allowing 29.6 points per game, which is the seventh worst, as I just noted. They have the second worst uh, pass defense, and we know how good the Panthers' pass offense has been playing, like you just said. They're 11th best in the NFL at 263.7 yards per game. Um, Teddy is only getting sacks about two times a game, a little less. Uh, the run games, the run games are pretty weak, so I think we're going to see a lot of passing. Um, so I, I would fade the over in this matchup yeah i'm gonna fade the over under as well but i'm gonna fade it with the under 51 and a half is just a bit high for me uh last time these two teams played was three weeks ago and it was a 23 16 final so you're only getting 39 you got a few more scores to climb to that 52 52 to beat the over under at 51 i'm gonna take the under but in a fade too i like how atlanta's defense has stepped up the last couple games and carolina's D's been playing great all year so give me the under All right, the next game we're going to talk about is the Indianapolis Colts traveling to play the Detroit Lions, and Vegas has the Colts favored by two and a half points in this game, Steve. 
Well, let's just, I just want to say thank you to Matt Stafford for leading that beautiful drive to make sure my upside of the week hit last week. Um, but I'm not, I can't do that again this week. The Lions, you know, the Lions are really, when you think of the Lions, Connor, what do you think, offensive or defensive? Uh, mediocre on both sides of the football, but uh, a little more offensive side for sure. Right, and that's and that's where I would lean with this team. But the the concern with them is they are they only, they have the tenth least amount of yards on offense. They're only averaging three hundred fifty four yards per game. So their passing like their passing offense is still below average. Rushing game now this is the thing. Now this is the quirk. It's a middle of the pack. But ever since they got ever since they went to DeAndre Swift as the lead role guy, this offense has really turned around. And I truly think that's why the Lions have won three out of their last four games. They beat the Cardinals. They lost to the Saints, and then they went to their bye week, and then they came back, put it on the Jaguars, and then came back and beat Atlanta. So I'm actually super interested to see who this Detroit Lions team is, and I think we're going to see that against the Colts. My concern is that offense for the Lions, 10th worst in the NFL in yards per game. Well, the Colts have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense. Joe Burrow dotted them up that one game. Their defense makes the adjustment at halftime because they had the and they're coming off a bye week. So two weeks ago, Joe Burrow dots them up. Their uh, defense comes out, steps up. They have the second-best defense in yards per game, second-best in yard, passing yards per game, third-best in rushing yards per game, and they're only giving up 3.5 yards per carry. I think it's going to be super hard for Detroit in this matchup. I will lean with the Colts, minus 2.5. Yeah, I don't see the Lions really moving the football in this game. Uh, Indianapolis got a hell of a defense uh, coming off a of bye, and Phillip Rivers uh, quietly heating up through for 370 yards a couple weeks ago against the Bengals who only allowed 10 more yards on average more than Detroit through the air. So I could see uh, Phillip Rivers uh, moving the ball quite easily on the lines. Not impressed with their defense. Uh, Matt Stafford's really been underperforming this year. He's uh, ranked 18th out of all quarterbacks in yards, uh, 17th in quarterback rating. Uh, only has 10 touchdowns and four picks. Uh, Marvin Jones really hasn't done a lot. But like you said, Steve, uh, when DeAndre Swift started getting uh, more of a touch share, he's, he's been playing quite well. He's uh, got 5.3 yards per touch on the year. But he'll be going up against the number three rushing defense. I don't see that really working. Adrian Peterson has been getting worse in each game on a yards per carry basis. Yeah, I'm going to hammer the Colts in this game. Uh, Colts are used to playing in a dome. They go to Detroit. is also in a dome. I know there's still no fans, might be limited fans, but I just don't see the Lions moving the ball. And I don't really think, I'm not that sold on Indianapolis either, but Detroit is as mediocre as you can get. Indy might be a little better than mediocre. Two and a half is quite close, so I'm going to take them in this game on a hammer. Give me the over-under on 50 points, Steve. The Colts offense just isn't good enough for me to push the over here. So I'm going to lean the under because I just think the Colts defense is really good. They're only averaging, only allowing 19 points per game, which is the second best in the NFL. They're still scoring 26.2. So I think when you put those numbers together, you're going to hit the under. I think the 50 mark's just a little too high for me. I'm going to lean the under in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to take the under two. But I'm going to hammer it. I don't see Detroit scoring a lot of points, nor do I see Indianapolis lighting up the scoreboard. 
Yeah, give me the under on 50. A 30-20 game is not out of the realm of possibilities, but I just don't have any trust in the Detroit Lions offense against that super, super stout Indianapolis Colts defense. All right, the next game we're going to talk about are the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Lambeau to play the Green Bay Packers. Steve and Vegas has the pack favored by seven in this matchup. So last week I locked the Packers. Um, and then, so we record on Wednesdays and uh, drop it on Thursday. Well, on Friday, Vicari gets ruled out and then Aaron Jones misses the game, Connor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm starting to get a little nervous here because, well, let's be honest, that's your left tackle. And Aaron Jones, who I expected to have a big day, was out. So I was getting a little nervous. The Packers, man, I think the Packers are honestly one of the most underrated teams in the NFC right now, Connor. I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say they are the best team in the NFC right now. Love the way they're playing. The Vikings are spelling out. They traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not really sure where the Vikings are, Connor. My point about why I really liked the Packers last week was because the Texans didn't have a defense to keep Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones off the field. does seem a little concerning that Aaron Jones may not play this week, Connor, but I still have the utmost confidence in the Green Bay Packers because, listen, the Vikings are allowing the fifth most yards. They're allowing the fourth most passing yards and the 11th most rushing yards. Connor, this is my lock of the week. Once again, I am locking in the Green Bay Packers at minus seven. I'm going to take the pack minus seven, two on a lean. So for Minnesota, they're coming off a bye. They're going to be a bit more healthier. Dalvin Cook is expected to play. They were the number six rushing team before the bye. But Green Bay is allowing the 10th fewest rush yards per game, only at a buck 10. And that defense has really stepped up in the last couple of weeks, Steve. I know you called them out saying that defense is going to get it together, and they've looked better the last couple of weeks. Minnesota has the fourth worst passing defense. I could see Aaron Rodgers lighting it up against Minnesota. I deuced on him last week, but I'm throwing my deuces up for him because I think he's going to go off two, four passing touchdowns. Uh, Minnesota has been cooling off. They scored 30-plus in three out of their first four games, but their last two games, they've only scored 24 points per game. Aaron Jones coming back, number two scoring team for the Green Bay Packers. And this is what's really concerning, the turnover differential. Green Bay on the plus side, plus two. Minnesota, minus seven. Third worst in the NFL. I think the Vikings are trending down, and Green Bay... I might have to disagree with you being the best team in the NFC, but they are definitely up there. So I'm going to lean their way on a seven-point lean. All right, give me the over-under uh, 51 and a half here, Steve. Yeah, so I actually do like the over in this game. I just We saw this game the first time these two teams played. They put up a ton of points in week one. I expect the same here. The Vikings defense just isn't going to be able to control this game, which means Aaron Rodgers is going to have his way again. And I think that is going to be an important trend to betting Connor. I think I'm going to really start looking into like great quarterbacks against bad defenses because it just always seems like the great quarterbacks always cover spreads against bad defenses. That stays here. I think the Packers and Live scoreboard, I think there's plenty of potential with uh, the Vikings getting Dalvin Cook back. He's Connor, he's missed, what, the last week or two weeks and then the bye, and he's still top five in rushing, and he still has 
uh, he's still tied for the most touchdowns. This guy is absolutely unbelievable. He's definitely a big get back for the Vikings. So I think the Vikings are going to be be able to put up enough points for this game to hit the over. I'm going to lean the over. Yep, I'm leaning the over as well. Dalvin Cook is one of the top five running backs in the NFL, no question. We saw Alexander Madison come in, had big shoes to fill, did not pan out his way. Uh, That offense can still move the ball. Irv Smith has been better these last few weeks. And Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, those two might be one of the top five receiving duos in the league. Green Bay is just, they're going to score 30 points every single game. So, yeah, this over is definitely hitting. I'm going to take it on a lean, though. Not going to quite hammer it. Just because the Packers defense has stepped up these last few weeks. All right, the next game we're going to get into uh, this week is full of division matchups. We're talking about the New England Patriots traveling to Orchard Park to play the Buffalo Bills, and Vegas has the Bills favored by three and a half points in this game, Steve. I made the mistake um, a couple weeks ago, Connor. Um, I took the Browns to beat the Steelers. I mean, I faded it, but I mean, that was still where I would have went. Little brother beating big brother is just always going to have that thing. And I understand the Patriots aren't who they usually are. And Cam Newton's been absolutely atrocious. He's been just turning over the ball at such a high rate. I believe it's been five uh, interceptions in the last two weeks for Cam Newton. So obviously the concern with Cam Newton and how that offense is going, I completely get that. And that's probably why a lot of people be like, oh, well, you should go with the Bills. But my concern is, first of all, I haven't seen the Bills beat the Patriots very often in the last, like, 16 years. I believe it's only been three times in the last 16 years. Um, Not 100% sure on that, but I believe I saw or heard that stat somewhere. So that is super concerning. Uh, Bill Belichick has just owned the Bills. And, like, this is the other concern for me, Connor. The way you beat the Patriots is being able to run the ball well because – uh, the Patriots have the sixth worst rush defense in yards per game, 132.2. But this is the concern. The rushing offense for the Bills is fourth worst at 97 yards per game, and they're only getting 3.9 yards per carry. They don't run the ball good enough. They don't run the ball enough. Um, Josh Allen has been super, like, just not the guy you want. I don't – actually, that's a great question, Connor. Like, what's going on with Josh Allen – why has there been – we went from having MVP Josh Allen for these last three weeks, but now it's like, what's going on? He's really been struggling against superior opponents. Tennessee might be the best team in the NFL when Derrick Henry gets rolling, which he did against the Bills. Can't stop the run. And Pat Mahomes makes you play his game. So you can't really knock him for those last two. But the game against the Jets, he still didn't look good. Didn't even score a touchdown against the Jets. That is super concerning to me, Steve. Yeah, so and yeah, and I agree. And that's my concern with the Bills in this matchup. The Patriots are getting two takeaways a game, twelve and six games. The Bills are giving it up ten out ten times in seven games. Most of those have came in the last three games, Connor. I'm gonna fade this. I'm gonna fade the Patriots plus three and a half. So I keep saying the Buffalo's gonna get back on track. They're gonna get back on track. I thought they were going to keep those games close against the Chiefs and Titans. They did not. I thought they were going to womp the Jets. They did not. They've really been struggling these last three games, only scoring 17 points per game. Josh Allen's cooling off at an insane rate. His last three games, he's only thrown four touchdowns and three picks. And I just got done saying they didn't score a touchdown against the Jets. They kicked all field goals to beat them. Buffalo cannot run the ball, but New England 
has the sixth worst run D. So maybe if they can get something going on the ground, it's going to be against the Patriots. New England, they haven't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. First Denver, first San Fran. Cam's playing like garbage. I don't. You kind of got to keep him in as your starter because I don't know what you got with Jared Stidham. Uh, New England, nine points per game in the last three games. The offense is just... Steve, what what is happening to this offense? Because when the season started, they looked promising. Cam Newton was running the football, and I feel like that's a big part of it. Cam Newton is not running the football anymore. He's not being an efficient runner on the ground. And I feel like if he can't run the football, that offense isn't going to click. I want to get your quick take on New England and why the offense is struggling so mightily these last few weeks. Yeah, I'm not really too sure. I mean, they have definitely played three tough. So in their first three weeks, they played the Dolphins. They played the Seahawks, the Raiders, all those teams. But I mean, the Dolphins defense is definitely better than the other two. But like the Dolphins defense is nothing to go crazy about. But then the Chiefs defense has actually been better than people thought, especially in the passing game. Denver's defense is still very solid, and the 49ers' defense is still still good. And, like, how the heck is that defense still good? They're missing that whole defensive line. So, Connor, I'm not even really sure, man. I, turning over the ball at that rate is putting so much pressure on that defense. Cam Newton's just looked atrocious. And, like, we went from, like, I mean, I, you had every right to say he was probably comeback player of the year at that point. And right now it's like, does this guy even belong in the NFL? It's been that big of a drop-off. Um, if this continues, I think you have to think Jared Stidham time. They have to see what they got in them and see if they're going to need a quarterback in the future or if they can roll instead of moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And my concerns with the Buffalo offense aren't going to waver, but I'm way more concerned with the New England offense. I'm going to hammer the Bills here minus three and a half. I still think the Bills are going to turn around and get this done. I still think they're going to win the division. We're going to have to see what happens with Tua here. But I still think the Bills have the best team top to bottom as of right now. And I think they're gonna think they're gonna get it straightened out against the Pats and prove a statement that they belong in the playoffs for sure. Uh give me the over under uh forty two. Forty two just seems a little too low. Um so the Bills are gonna turn over the ball. I think the Patriots are gonna you know, they're gonna at least get one, maybe two as a as as that's their average. So, Connor, I'm actually going to fade this. Um, this is Oh, I forgot to say this. This is my do-not-touch game of the week. Um, I, I just don't like it. I don't like the three-and-a-half line. I've said that before. I, it's just big brother, little brother type situation. Uh, Connor, I, if I had to play this, I'd probably go the over, though. No reason why I say that. 42 just seems a little low. We've seen Josh Allen. He can light it up. We saw Cam Newton. He can light it up. Obviously, that connection hasn't or the Cam Newton thing hasn't been going well as of late but I still don't think that is something that can't be fixed either so I'm going to stay away but I would go with the over in this matchup I'm going to take the under just because both of these teams did not score a touchdown last week which is pretty hard to do in the NFL so not sold on either offense give me the under on a lean the next game we're going to get into are the Tennessee Titans playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And Vegas has the Titans favored by five and a half points here, Steve. Ooh, the Tennessee Titans are definitely a team that I was wrong about to start this year. I actually really liked how they, I mean, obviously they're five and one, right? So it's like, you like how they're playing, but like, it's just crazy, man. Um, Ryan Tannehill, Connor, he... Man, how good how good has Ryan Tannehill been? He fits that offense just perfect with the play act and passing game. Corey Davis is coming back. Johnny Smith 
is John Smith come back? I believe he is, Connor. Do you know? John who is playing, yes. Yeah, it, dude, these weapons are just so good. and I just really like where this offense is. Now, on the flip to that, how good has Joe Burrow been, Connor? He has just been torching defenses the past couple weeks. And not even just, like, defenses. Like, that game against the Colts in the first half was truly impressive to me with Joe Burrow for a rookie quarterback against a great defense like that. And then he does it again against the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, the Browns' passing defense is a major hole for them. But still, a rookie quarterback to come in and play the way that he has played, like the Bengals have to be pretty confident that they had their future quarterback, which is a huge step in when you're in a rebuild like they they are. Going to this game, Connor, the Bengals just can't stop the run. And we're talking about that against one of the best – one of the best rushing offenses with Derrick Henry. The Bengals are allowing 133.7 yards per game, which is fifth worst in the NFL. With this is the other thing that's super concerning me, super concerning to me about the Bengals. When we talked, Connor, a couple weeks ago when they were playing Baltimore, we were talking about them having this, you know, above average pass defense. Well, the last two weeks, it's gotten absolutely torched by Phillip Rivers and Baker Mayfield. You know how I feel about Phillip Rivers? And to see Baker Mayfield do that to that defense, um, no knock on Baker. Baker had a big game, and he needed to do that. So I think that's important. But their second-half pass defense is concerning. I just think Ryan Tinhill is going to be able to have that same effectiveness that Baker and Phillip Rivers had. I will lean the Titans at minus five and a half. Yep, I'm going to hammer the Titans at minus five and a half here. And this is almost my lock of the week. Cincinnati, fifth worst, stopping the run, getting rid of Carlos Dunlap. Well, you're not doing yourself any favors. Tennessee, that game against Pittsburgh, they impressed me because they were down and out. And they fought back in the second half, got three interceptions on Big Ben, almost came back, should have sent it to overtime. That was a big, it was a 39-yard field goal that Gostkowski missed. So that was a that was a huge loss on their parts. But I really like this Tennessee team. I feel like every time they get the ball, they're going to be able to score because, like I just said, Cincinnati, fifth worst against the run, and they're a bottom 10 team stopping the pass. Tennessee having no problem moving the ball. And think about Cincinnati is they play good against mediocre teams, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Indianapolis. This is their first like real opponent since they played Baltimore, who they got schlacked 27-3 a few weeks ago. They're not going to be able to stop Tennessee. Joe Burrow's going to have to throw it a lot, which he's been doing all year, doing a pretty good job at it too. Tennessee, seventh worst against the pass. So I could see this going back and forth, but in the end, you're not going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. You're not going to be able to stop the Tennessee Titans. I'm hammering the Titans minus five and a half. Steve, give me the over under uh, 53 and a half. Yep. Uh, I will. I actually like the over in this matchup. Um, Joe Burrow has been playing really well. Like you said, it's been against um, teams that, you know, just maybe not as good. So when I look at that, I think, well, the Titans only have, sorry, the Titans have the seventh worst passing defense giving up 272.7 yards or sorry 272 yards per game that's a super lot especially coming in against a hot rookie quarterback um and then the Bengals defense we've talked about it they're just they're not very good they're giving up 27.7 points per game 
It's a super lot. Titans are scoring 31 a game, Connor. I actually will lean the over in this matchup. Yep, I'm going to lean the over as well. I could see this game being very similar to the Tennessee-Houston game, which was a super high over-under because Houston can't stop their run either. So, yep. Actually, I'm going to hammer the over. 53.5, changing that to a hammer. Cincinnati is going to be able to move the ball. I like their wide receivers, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. It's going to be a high-scoring matchup. All right, the next game we're going to talk about are the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Cleveland to play your Cleveland Brownies. And Vegas has your Brownies favored by two and a half points in this game, Steve. My, oh, man, first of all, we got to talk about Baker Mayfield, man. How he, he was just absolutely incredible. He starts 0 for 5 in Connor, and, and then he goes 22 of 23, in which the only incompletion he had after that 0 for 5 start was a spike to stop the clock when which he threw a game-winning touchdown pass. Baker Mayfield really needed that performance to get his people back around him. I mean, a lot of people were starting to question, saying this guy isn't it, this and that. Well, now you got that belief that, hey, Baker can still go out and win you a game. I think that's huge because Baker tends to play well against bad defenses. Oakland's the or Oakland, geez, here we go. Las Vegas' defense isn't very good. They're giving up the seventh most yards and their fifth worst against the pass, giving up 283.8. Concern with me in this matchup, Connor, Baker Mayfield. When Baker Mayfield seems to get high, seems to get an extra pep in his step and, you know, gets, gets a little cocky because that's who he is. Baker Mayfield tends to slip up. That's my concern in this matchup. I do think the Browns are going to be able to run the ball. The Raider, the Raiders are giving up 4.6 yards a touch. The Browns are averaging 5.1. So I, I like the Browns to, you know, get that running game going. The running game hasn't been as good since Nick Chubb's gotten hurt. That's my concern. I'm going to fade the Raiders at plus 2.5. Yeah, Las Vegas, they're just boomer bust, man. Super boomer bust. Uh, three games scoring 34 or more, and the other three games scoring 23 or less. Uh, Josh Jacobs going up against the number five rushing defense in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they're going to have to throw the ball to move the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball if they want to get yards against Cleveland. And I feel like Josh Jacobs is an adequate back to throw the ball to out of the backfield. Uh, last week, Geo had five for 59 and one against Cleveland. I could see a very similar workload for Josh Jacobs. I know they want to get him more involved into the passing game. Cleveland's allowing 288 yards per game through the air. That's third worst. And the chemistry between Nelson Aguilar and Derek Carr is getting better and better and better every single week. Las Vegas, seventh best team throwing the football. Derek Carr has been quietly having a really good year. This is my upset of the week. I am taking Las Vegas to beat your Cleveland Brownie, Steve. And I am sorry, but Browns are allowing 32 points per game. They're third worst, stopping the pass. I just feel like this is going to be one of the boom games for Las Vegas. I am taking them plus two and a half, taking them money line. Upset of the week. Give me the over-under on 52, Steve. Yeah, I actually really like the over in this game. These defenses are just atrocious. You had just talked about the Cleveland Browns passing defense in which I think Derek Carr will be able to have his way. Well, I think Baker Mayfield has the potential to have his way against this Raiders secondary. I said it earlier, they have the fifth worst. Um, the thing with the Raiders that is concerning to me is they only have three takeaways in six games. 
That is not a lot. So if you're not going to take the ball away from the Browns, I really think that's going to allow them to dictate. The Cleveland Browns are averaging 28.6 points per game, but they're also allowing the fourth most at 31.6. I think the Raiders are going to be able to score. The Raiders are also giving up 32.8, which is the second most, Connor. I think this is an easy one. I'm hammering the over in this matchup. Yep, I'm going to hammer the over as well. Uh, Cleveland's can still move the football. Las Vegas only has the 16th-ranked defense stopping the running back, and their fifth worst against the pass. So, yeah, these defenses are awful, both allowing 32, 33 points per game. Yep, going to hammer the over in this game. All right, the next game we're going to talk about are the New York Jets traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs, and Vegas has the Chiefs favored by 19 in this game, Steve. Connor, how long how long have you been betting on the NFL, would you say? I've probably been betting for the last five years, I would say. Okay. Easily the biggest spread you've ever seen in an NFL matchup? No. Off the top of your head? No, no. Um, last year, the Miami Dolphins had three consecutive games being uh, underdogs by 20 or more. That was to Baltimore Week 1, to Dallas Week 2, and to New England Week 3. They were all 20-plus point dogs. And I they, actually they, did. Go ahead. And they didn't cover the spread in any of those games. So, well, I'm glad I asked you because I I'm not touching a three touchdown game. Too much for me. The Jets, oh man, I the Jets. It seems like they did. They started to figure something out against the Bills. Well, that was the second time they played the Bills this year. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. The Bills kicked a lot of field goals, and the Bills, if they score one touchdown instead of the field goal, they cover in that game. I, man, the Chiefs, the Chiefs just, I, this is my opinion in this matchup. I think the Chiefs are going to put it on. We know their passing offense is great. They have a great secondary. They can't stop the run. Well, I don't like, our viewers are just sick of hearing it. The Chiefs change how you play. Sam Darnold has thrown six interceptions this year. I, if you're going to give the Chiefs more chances to score, it's going to get ugly, Connor. I'm just not going to sit here and say that the Chiefs are going to have their starters out there in the fourth quarter, which I think creates this backdoor cover. I'm out of this one. I'm fading. I mean, I guess I'll fade the Chiefs at minus 19. Yeah, based on what I saw last year, the Miami Dolphins uh, super spreads, and based off of what I've seen from New York this year, 12 points per game last, bottom 10 pass defense, Kansas City, what, <laughs> what? there's not much to really say about this game. they got Pat Mahomes, 31 points per game that they're scoring. This is a huge revenge game for Le'Veon Bell. I could see Le'Veon Bell going off in this game. I'm going to hammer the Chiefs minus 19. And, Steve, I just want to ask you real quick, what do you think this line would be if Flacco was still in at quarterback? Oh, Connor, I honestly think you'd be pushing probably like 20. Two and a half to 23. Yeah, throw on another touchdown for sure. Sam Darnold is that good, though. Don't get me wrong. I like Sam Darnold. That's, like, the only thing I like about the Jets, though, besides, like, Becton. That's it. So, yeah, give me a hammer on the Chiefs minus 19. And, Steve, I need an over-under on 49 in this game. I just don't think the Jets are going to score enough. I just could do the Chiefs easily winning this 30-7. to The Jets' offense has just been absolutely atrocious this year. <laughs> They've only scored 20 points in the last three weeks, and it doesn't get any easier for them. This isn't going to be a good game. Oh, Connor, we talk about it every week. Adam Gase, 
Yeah, I think he's got to stay. Make sure you get that number one overall pick, and then it's an easy fire. Move on. I'm actually going to fade the under. I just don't think the Jets are going to score enough to push the over. I don't think Patrick Mahomes in that offense will be on the field enough um, because I think they'll be up by so much. I don't even know if they're going to play halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, I could see Kansas City getting up early and by quite a bit. I could see the Chiefs dropping 40 points per se, 35 to 40 points. So are the Jets going to score 14, 16 to cover the over? I'm no. not too sure. Because maybe like a garbage touchdown or something. Uh, this is a fade for me. I'm just not too sure what the Jets are going to put on the field. Kansas City's sneaky good defense. I'm going to fade it. Just going to fade the over, maybe some garbage time points. Okay, the next game we're going to talk about are the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Miami. And before we get into this game, Steve, I just want to get your quick take. Actually, I guess we could talk about it after I finish the line. Uh, Rams are favored by three and a half. This is a home game for Miami, and this is Tua's first start. So I just I want to hear your take on Tua, his first NFL start, because we all watched him at Alabama, and we saw how good he was there. But now he's coming and he's facing an NFL defense. Granted, the game is at home, but you're playing the Rams. Rams got a hell of a defense. So how do you think this is going to go for Tua? Yeah, I'm glad that we're actually going to stop and talk about this because last week when the announcement was made that Tua was going to be the guy, we weren't there yet. Um, or they didn't have a game, so I guess we never really got to sit down and talk about this, which was one thing I really wanted to do. How do you feel about it, Connor? Like, do you think... Do you think it's like reasonable to sit back and say like Tua should like should start over what Ryan Fitzpatrick has been doing for that Dolphins team? Yeah, well, I, I see why they did it. They're playing for the future. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a win now kind of guy. You could win with him now. You might have a shot to win the division with how the Bills have been struggling and how not good the Patriots have looked. But I think this was the right move. You want to play for the future? I mean. What a game for Tua to come into the NFL, though, man. Playing the Los Angeles Rams. Here's Jalen Ramsey, who's arguably having the best year out of any cornerback this year. And Aaron Donald, who is just, like, a beast of a man. He, he is so powerful. I don't even understand how you fit that much power into his body. But for Tua, I think he's going to struggle in his first game just because i think the rams are that good and i'm actually quite surprised that this line is at three and a half with the quarterback change i like tua long term but i'm not so sure i like him in this game wow yeah getting aaron donald in your first nfl is like the true welcome to the nfl moment (laughs) there's going to be a couple of those um especially against this rams defense man this rams defense has really been playing well They haven't played the greatest offenses lately, Connor, but only giving up nine to the Giants, only giving up 10 to the football team. Sorry, they gave up 24 to San Francisco, but San Francisco has been turning upwards, and then they completely demolished the Bears on Monday night. The only concern with this matchup with me and the Rams is the way they've been traveling to the East Coast. Travel to the East Coast to play Philly, travel to the East Coast to play the Bills, Travel to the East Coast to play the football team. Traveling back to the East Coast to play the Dolphins. That's my concern. I think Tua is going to be solid for them. And obviously they had a plan, Connor, to make sure like Tua was ready to go for the bye week, given two weeks to insert into that role, get ready for the starting job. So I, I think like that is just smart if that was their plan. Connor, my question to you is, should the Miami Dolphins trade Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Dallas Cowboys? 
The thing is, I don't see what they would get back from the Cowboys. You're not going to get a high-round draft pick for Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're definitely not getting one of their receivers, which is what Miami needs. So I don't see it happening. Maybe they should just hang on to him and uh, use him as a mentor for Tua the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I agree. I I mean, you got to get what you can get. Um, but, yeah, having a backup quarterback that's been like that for, Ryan, or for Tua is obviously huge. Um, Connor, that does make me a little nervous on the, the travel time. But the Dolphins' defense has been playing well lately as well, Connor. Uh, we will get into that in a minute. I'm actually going to lean the Rams at minus three and a half, though. Uh, rookie quarterback that we don't know who it is is a risky bet because he could either, A, come in, ball out because there's no tape on him and he can have one of them days, or, B, he's coming in against one of the best defenses in the NFL, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, like you said. They actually have a rookie, Jordan Fuller, who they drafted in the sixth round out of the Ohio State University, who's been playing really well as a rookie. He's been tremendous. He's playing on, like, I want to say I saw a thing that was like 98 to 99% of the defensive snaps. So he's been really good. I really like the Rams' defense. I like the Rams' defense to get it done in this matchup. Yeah, I really like both these defenses. The cornerbacks in Miami, I said this in a prior podcast, but Xavier uh, Howard and Byron Jones might be the best one-two cornerback punch in the league besides what they have going on in Baltimore. The thing about the Rams is Goff, he, he's been playing good. He hasn't been playing super good, though. He needs to get going. I don't know if it's going to happen in this game. He hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game so far this year. Uh, but this is definitely going to be a defensive battle. The Rams are allowing the second-fewest points per game at 18 and the fifth-fewest yards against the pass at 212. Versus a rookie quarterback, I know it's Tua, and we've seen what he could do, but he's gonna have uh, he's gonna have some trouble against this defense. Uh, Devonte Parker, Preston Williams, uh, Mike Gesicki, uh, Adam Shaheen, not the best weapons. I'm going to hammer the Rams minus three and a half. I just like their offense a bit better. They have been struggling as of late, but I just think they have more viable running backs. They have more weapons on offense. Give me the Rams minus three and a half on a hammer. They're going to get it done. And give me the over-under, uh, 46. We just talked about it. Both these defenses are really good. I really don't know how much more there is to get into it. I don't think I don't like rookie quarterbacks pushing an over. The Rams' offense is super balanced. Um, they're super balanced. I really like how they have all their weapons working. I think that gives them an, an advantage because you don't know where they're going to go, kind of like the old Patriots teams. But with that being said, it's going to be a defensive battle, and I just think this game's going to be determined in the trenches. I'll take the under. I'm going to lean the under in this matchup. Yep, I'm leaning the under as well. The Rams, they can throw the football. They can run the football. Miami, well, we're going to see how good Tua can throw it, but they can't really run the football. Miles Gaskin only has one touchdown the year. They've had no luck on the ground in Miami. I don't know if that bodes well for the over-under, but I'm going to take the under on a lean. Okay, the next game we're getting into are the New Orleans Saints traveling to Soldier Field to play the Chicago Bears. And Vegas has the Saints favored by four points in this game, Steve. This is actually kind of wild that I'm going to ask you this, but it's a kind of a question to where, like, I'm starting to think about, like, sleeper MVP picks. And, you know, I kind of think we should get into that at some point on some kind of point maybe if we do like a mid-season podcast episode something like that yeah we're gonna um, have a lot of gems for you guys next week on our mid-season breakdown we're gonna do all sorts of questions like that i absolutely love that we're doing that because connor this is why i say that i i, I it's crazy 
But right now, we're finally at the point in the NFL. There's no MVP front runner. Obviously, Russ had the the really big letdown game against the Cardinals last week. He gave the Cardinals that game single handedly. I think Drew Brees might be answering that conversation. What has Drew Brees really had to work with? That offense is still flowing like it does. They haven't had Michael Thomas. Drew Brees, we can sit here and talk about the arm strength. The guy is still getting it done, though, man. 11 TDs, only three interceptions, four and two, and arguably one of the better conferences in football. It's probably third, fourth best. So what he's doing, it has been truly tremendous to me, especially when you're talking about his weapons are... He still has Alvin Kamara, who is their leading receiver. The running back is their leading receiver, Connor. That is just insane to me. But then after that, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, Jared Cook, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris. Like, now we're just starting to reach. And it's just crazy how little Drew Brees has to work with. This defense hasn't been great. It's been below average. Connor, I don't know, man. Just what Drew Brees has done, I think it needs to be talked about more than it's been. The Chicago Bears are a complete mess. My question to you, Connor, who are the Bears? Who are the Bears better off with that quarterback, Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky? I don't really know the answer to that question. I really liked Mitch Trubisky because I liked the way he could run the football, and he did not play as bad as people said he did. He got a lot of slack, but Mitch Trubisky did lead that team to the playoffs before. So, I mean, Foles also has a Super Bowl victory. So, I mean, I guess they're kind of both bottom of the barrel. I would have liked to see them maybe revert back to uh, Trubisky. Uh, Nick Foles, I mean, they still, they're still they still 5-2, so they're still set. I mean, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. But I just like the running ability that uh, Mr. Trubisky has. And offense has trouble running the ball. So Yeah, and I think there's a fair point where we're going to say the Saints are probably going to be the best the second best team that the Chicago Bears have faced, Connor, I'm hammering the Saints minus four, easy money. Yeah, I'm going to hammer the Saints minus four, too. And this was almost another potential lock. There's a lot of games that I'm hammering. These lines are quite close this week. Uh, New Orleans, they played uh, really well last week against that top 10 uh, Carolina Panthers defense. Uh, Michael Thomas is expected to play. I know I've said this like the last five weeks, but uh, he's expected to play I think he's projected out of fantasy points, so we should probably see him on the field. And I don't know about Drew Brees being MVP, but Alvin Kamara, I know you said he's the leading receiver, but he also leads the NFL in yards after catch 303, which is absolutely incredible. Drew Brees has been playing well. He's sixth in quarterback rating right now at 80.7. What can you say about Chicago? The offense is terrible. Foles seems like he can only play good when he plays Tom Brady. Nick Foles in his last three games has has three touchdowns to five interceptions. Uh, Last four games, only one game over a 50 quarterback rating. Not good. David Montgomery struggling. I don't see many points from Chicago. I like the Saints minus four. I'm going to hammer him here. Steve, give me the over-under on 43. Yeah, so if there's a weakness on the Saints team... It's going to be their passing defense. Well, let me just tell you this. The Bears passing offense ain't nothing that's going to be concerning to the Saints in this. We have the line set at what? Sorry, Connor, 43 and a half, right? 43 flat. Oh, 43 flat. Okay, sorry. Um, 43 flat, yeah, I actually like the over in this game, but not enough to bet it because I do truly believe in that Bears defense and – Man, as much as the Saints keep getting it done with very little, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get to score that many points against this Bears defense. I'm going to actually 
fade the under. No, I'm going to hammer the under in this game. I Like I just said, I don't see Chicago scoring many points. The Saints defense, it's a good unit. It's a solid unit. Um, and the Saints, I mean, they only scored 27 last week against the Panthers. Panthers got a good defense. Well, Chicago, I think, has the best defense in the league, arguably. Either them or Pittsburgh, or we'll see what Baltimore can do with Yannick. But, yeah, I don't see the Saints lighting up the scoreboard either. I'm going to hammer the under at 43. I could see this game being in the teens. All right, the next game we're going to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Seattle to play the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Vegas has the Seahawks favored by two and a half points in this game, Steve. Miami went on the road to San Fran and ran them out of that game. (laughs) Since then, beat the Rams and embarrassed the Patriots. This 49ers team's really starting to come along, man. The only concern with the 49ers right now are all the injuries. Um, how long can you keep doing with all these injuries? With that being said, though, the, they just uh, it's just truly incredible how great Kyle Shanahan has been. And I think there's a lot of credit that needs to go there. But, dude, the Seattle Seahawks are going to come back on a mission. Russell Wilson still 22 TDs. Six interceptions, still one of the top quarterbacks in passing yards. He's still, you know, the, the concern with the Seahawks is they can't stop teams who throw the ball. Well, guess what? The 49ers aren't a great passing offense. Um, obviously, things are starting to come to life. Obviously, losing Debo Samuel hurts that. But I really like the way they're bringing Brandon Ayuk along. I really like that they thought George Kittle. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme things, but they're not going to be able to run the ball on the Seahawks like they want to. Seahawks have one of the best rush defenses in the NFL, and I don't think Carlos Dunlap will do anything this week if he even plays. It's obviously late in the week to be getting someone to plug in and play. With that being said, Connor, I actually will lean the Seahawks at minus 2.5. I think this will be a bounce back. I think Russell Wilson's super disappointed himself for handing that game to the Cardinals. I don't see him doing that again to another divisional foe. Yeah, I'm also going to lean the Seahawks here at minus two and a half. So the only hope for San Fran is their run game. And I know Seattle, they they can't stop anybody. But they're going to have to strictly beat them on the ground. Because last, well, they did it last week. Last week, they beat the Patriots 33 to 9. Jimmy Garoppolo, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that in back-to-back weeks. Uh, like you said, the injuries, they just keep piling up and piling up. It's so concerning. Seattle is actually a top-half team stopping their run, too, only allowing 110 yards per game. But uh, 49ers, you know, they do it different ways. they got multiple running backs. They use Debo in the run game, which I really like on the end rounds and everything. Uh, San Francisco is number five in total D. But this Seattle offense, man, is just on fire. And, yeah, like you said, I think Russ is going to be super, super angry. And they, they they just have so many weapons, man. Tyler Lockett now has multiple three-touchdown games. I know Chris Carson is going to play, so we're going to see a split share between Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer. A little concerning. The most concerning thing about the Seattle Seahawks to me is they are last in third-down conversions. I know they haven't seen a lot of them. We said this last week, they get their chunk plays, but they are the worst team in the league at converting third downs. And the Seattle Seahawks have not played a top-half defense this year. The defenses they've faced in order of ranking, Miami 16, New England 17, Arizona 20, Dallas 27, Minnesota 28, and Atlanta 31 in overall defense. That is not good. 
Now they're playing the fifth, but I'm just not sold on San Fran moving the ball, which is kind of insane to say against Seattle because everybody's been moving the ball against the Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seattle on a lean. Not sold, though. All right, give me the over-under uh, 54 and a half here, Steve. 54 and a half, man. Just with the way the Seahawks offense has been playing, it seems like it should be an over, right? Well, I'm, man, I, I, I do believe in the 49ers defense. I do believe in the Seahawks run defense, Connor. I believe both teams are going to, like, not be able to play. They want to play. I'm actually going to fade the under in this matchup. Yep, I'm fading the under as well. These divisional games are tough to judge how many points are going to be scored. I said this before about the NFC West. They usually like to grind them out, but Seattle played Arizona last week. That was, uh, man, that was uh, probably the best Sunday night football game I've seen in a long time. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade the under as well. Not too sure what's gonna happen in this game. Okay, the next game we're gonna talk about are the Los Angeles Chargers going to Mile High to play the Denver Broncos, and Vegas has the Chargers favored by three points in this game, Steve. If I told you the Chargers were the best team against the spread this year, would you believe me? I would not, no. No, but they actually are, Connor. I think they have only failed to cover once this year, which, <laughs> you know, it just kind of seems kind of crazy. I mean, we, we both were pretty high on the Chargers before the year started. And uh, I, how can you, like, not even be higher on them now than you weren't? You know what I mean? Because... Man, they're – Justin Herbert, that kid is balling, man. That kid just seems like he, he puts up numbers every single week. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see him finally get that first win under his belt last week against the Jaguars. I like – so my thing with the Chargers in this matchup, I prefer the Chargers to be getting points than laying points. Um, a rookie quarterback against a pretty solid Denver defense. Defense got lit up last week against Patrick Mahomes, and that's kind of – gonna happen but like the Patriots they held to 12 they did give up 28 to the Jets which is kind of concerning but that was also with right condoling three interceptions and I don't know Connor I'm staying away from this game it's a veteran defense against a rookie quarterback uh Bradley Chubb has been amazing uh, I really want to play the Chargers here Connor but I'm gonna fade the Chargers in this matchup and this is my lock of the week. I am taking the Chargers minus three. Denver, I've been super high on them all year, and I believe that this is the first game I'm picking against Denver, which is actually pretty crazy. Actually, I might have picked against them last week. But Justin Herbert has been on an absolute tear this year. Listen to this. Number four in yards per attempt, number four in yards per game, and he's number seven in quarterback rating. He's taking this offense to a new high, something Phillip Rivers could never do in the 16 years that he played there. I'm sorry. The team is number four in total yards, and they're the number five team throwing the football. The Denver Broncos are the fifth worst in total offense, and they're a bottom five scoring team. Uh, their most explosive player, arguably, uh, Phillip Lindsay, is questionable, still in concussion protocol. Denver's only been able to muster up 17 points in the last two games, and I'm sorry. Drew Locke ain't it. He looked terrible last week again. Uh, Denver Broncos also have a negative eight turnover differential, which is the second worst in the league. No help to my guy Melvin Gordon. Can't hang on to the rock. And another thing about Denver, they're bad, 
bad, bad in special teams. They have the second worst starting average field position. Haven't had a kickoff return longer than 22 yards. That sets the game. If you start with great field position, you are in such a better spot than the other team, per se, who can't start outside of their own 30-yard line. The only thing Denver's got going for them right now is their defense. They can get after the quarterback. They're a top 10 in sacks. They got 18 on the year. But, man, this Justin Herbert kid has been balling. I'm locking the Chargers minus three. It's my lock of the week. Give me the over-under, uh, 44. Uh, I'm going to stay away. The Chargers' defense is pretty good. The Broncos' defense is pretty good. Um, with that being said, uh, Drew Locke hasn't been very good, so I think this sets up to be a very low-scoring game. Low-scoring game, I will take the under all day. I'm going to lean the under in this matchup. Yep, I'm leaning the over just because I like – I know I just trashed Denver, but I still have been really high on them all year. I like the weapons that they got. I like Timmy Patrick. I like KJ Hamler. I like Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and Albert O. Get used to the name, Albert O. Denver's going to score points. I just think the Chargers are going to score a lot more. Give me the over on 44 on a lean. Okay, uh, next game we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about my Baltimore Ravens and probably our biggest game to date, maybe the Chiefs, but I don't think so, man. And we just talked about this last week. It's the best rivalry in the NFL right now. Baltimore Ravens are taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Vegas has Baltimore favored by four points in this game. Oh, Connor. So this is, I think, I think the big thing in this matchup, this is a little rich in my opinion. The thing with me is we saw the Ravens beat up on the Eagles. The Eagles did make the comeback, but okay. We saw them beat up on the Eagles. We saw them beat up on the Bengals. We saw them beat up on the football team. We saw them beat up on the Browns, and we saw them beat up on the Tech. The Browns were in week one. The Browns were still getting a new coach, new system. Okay, I'll give you that one. They played their toughest opponent, their only true opponent outside of Cleveland, in Kansas City, and that's where they let down. They got beat up by the Chiefs by two touchdowns because of the lack of a passing uh, that's been going on with Lamar in that Ravens offense. The run game in Baltimore is really good, but you guys have the second-worst passing offense. I think that is where you beat the Steelers because let me tell you, man, I watched. Uh, I went back and watched that Steelers versus Titans game, and Landon Tannehill dotted them through the air. Derrick Henry didn't do much. They're only allowing 68.8 yards rushing a game. And, man, I've, I've told you about that front seven last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Uh, that front seven, man, is just truly incredible. I don't know, man. I just I understand why people think the Ravens are coming off the bye week and, you know, they kind of get these Yannick Ngakwe and Dez Bryant, and it kind of like it seems like people are going to start throwing the money on Baltimore. I need to see more out of that passing game, Connor. This is actually going to be my upset of the week. I really like where the Steelers at, are at offensively. Obviously, Baltimore is one of the better defenses that Pittsburgh has seen in some time. But I just like where they're at uh, right now. Pittsburgh right now is probably the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. Obviously, they're the last unbeaten team, but I don't really go by record in that um, when I say that. I just think when you look top to bottom, you look at offense and defense, they're the most complete team in the NFL. 
Um, they're hot. They're coming off tough games against the Browns and the Titans, in which they've looked pretty good in, except for the last uh, quarter and a half against the Titans. They pretty much manhandled them until the Titans damn near came back. And I think that's something that uh, is concerning, is the Steelers don't know how to put away games. I don't know if they're going to have to put this one away because it's going to be a very good game. I'm going to hammer this is, well, I guess this is my upset of the week. I'm going to hit that money line. I'm going to put uh, my money on the Steelers covering this week and putting that money on the money line. Yeah, four is a bit much. And when this line opened, it was at three and surprisingly moved to three and a half. Now it's at four. So people are dumping money on Baltimore. I've been talking to some of my boys this week. They like Baltimore with the spread. I try not to do homer picks, and I'm not going to. I'm actually going to take Pittsburgh plus four in this matchup. It's a home game for Baltimore, which is nice. Uh, this is uh, definitely the game of the week. So this game is slotted for 1 o'clock right now. I know we just rattled off all the 4 o'clock games, but I believe this game is going to get flexed into the Sunday night game, which we will talk about next. I just don't think it's been announced. Uh, for Baltimore, big, big ad in getting Yannick Ngakwe. The Ravens could not get after the quarterback. They've had struggled with pass rush the last few years. Yannick put across from Judon is going to be a huge addition to that team. Along with Patrick Queen playing at a Pro Bowl level, I think it's going to be hard for Pittsburgh to move the ball. Uh, Baltimore is allowing 17.3 points per game, best in the league. Uh, Baltimore still sticking with its bread and butter. Might be bottom uh, passing team, but it still leads the league in rush yards per game at a buck sixty-four. Uh, Baltimore is great at causing turnovers too. They're really good, especially at punching the ball out. Our cornerbacks tend to do that. I think Marlon did that a lot in Alabama, and he showed everyone else. Again, we have a plus six uh, turnover differential, which is third best. Uh, concerning thing to me is what you were talking about, and what you saw last week too, is the front seven of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lamar has been sitting in the pocket and has not had the best pocket presence this year. He's been sacked 15 times. That's going to be a concern. It's going to have to be a quick dink and dunk for Lamar, which I haven't seen him done this year, but could very well do it. But I just like that Pittsburgh defense. Number one in total yards allowed per game, only allowing 286. Uh, number two versus the rush, 69 yards per game. So we saw them bottle up uh, King Henry last week. I feel like Baltimore's going to have a hell of a time running the ball. Mark Ingram's been struggling. J.K. Dobbins isn't getting the touches. Gus Edwards has been playing good, given that. He's probably going to be the lead running back for Baltimore in this game, besides Lamar, if he can actually get out of the pocket. And like I just said, uh, Lamar's been sacked 15 times this year already. Well, Pittsburgh leads the league in sacks at 26. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game for my birds. I just haven't seen Lamar do it yet, and I don't think he's going to start clicking against a great defense in Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus four, but I'm going to fade it because it pains me. But yeah, this is a great upset pick of the week, Steve. Uh, give me the over-under uh, 46 and a half. Yeah, this is just easy to me, man. Both these defenses are going to stop the run. Um, both these defenses are tough nose, Connor. I said the Browns and the Steelers are going to be a dog fight two weeks ago. This is going to be the true definition of a dog fight. It's always what happens when these two teams meet up. Um, both offenses obviously have the potential to explode. Um, but like I, I've stated, I, I'm not sure. I just haven't seen how Lamar Jackson to light it up um, and – Honestly, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to light up that Ravens defense either, Connor. Easy under for me. I'm going to lean the under in this matchup. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of total yards on either side of the ball, but what there is going to be a lot of are turnovers. 
Turnovers create short fields. Short fields create easy scoring opportunities. 46 and a half is just a little low for this game. I feel like this is a 27-20 game, 27-23, something in that vicinity, 24-23. I'm going to go over, but barely over. I'm actually going to lean the over here in this game. All right, and getting to our so-called primetime football game of the week. Not sure if it's going to stay. Just got done talking about that. But we are talking about some Sunday night football the Dallas Cowboys are traveling to the city of brotherly love to play the Philadelphia Eagles and Vegas has the Eagles favored by eight in this game, Steve. Dude, please, please, please do not make us ha- watch this game on prime time. It's going to be a super, like I love Sunday night football, but man, this would truly be like terrible way to end. We have, we have two of the top teams in the AFC North, which is arguably the best division in football right now. Obviously, the Bengals aren't as good as the fourth team in the NFC West, but those top three teams are legit, and the Bengals aren't no scrubs. Um, they're playing some good ball, competing in almost every game they've been in. This does not need to be. Connor, I can sit here and I can go on and on and on about the Cowboys. There's really nothing more that needs to be said. The Eagles, um, they're starting to figure it out little by little. They're starting to put some wins together. Dude, I honestly, I don't know. Like, we could sit here and go on with all the stats about these teams. The Eagles are going to pound the Cowboys. If Ben DiNucci is expected to start, and if he is the starter, which I I don't even know who their backup is after that. The way this team, after I saw Andy Dalton get hit, Connor, and no one stand up to that for that guy for being hit the way he was hit. You know, that just told me this team's quit. Mike McCarthy isn't a great coach. I'm over with the Cowboys. I'm done. They're done. I, I want nothing to do with that. I'm hammering the Eagles. Yeah, if this game is on Sunday night, I'm probably watching the first couple of drives and going to bed. Uh, who's the quarterback for Dallas? Danucci? Is he a seventh? Ben Danucci. Ben Danucci. Seventh round draft pick, I believe, right? Yeah, something like that. Something crazy. All right. Well, if they couldn't get it done with the red rifle, they ain't getting it done with Mr. Ben DiNucci. Prove me wrong, Ben DiNucci. I I like saying that name. I want to keep hearing it. So maybe he can get something done. Probably not going to happen. Dallas run game is bad. Offensive line is in shambles. The team has been incredibly bad without Dak Prescott's. The only bright spot on that team is Amari Cooper. He's still having relevant fantasy games. Um, CeeDee Lamb didn't even have a catch last week. Philadelphia, Wentz, you got to stay up. He's taken a lot of hits this year. I don't really see Dallas getting after the quarterback all too much, though. On the reverse side, Philly can get after the quarterback. It's second in the league, 24 sacks. Miles Sanders is back and healthy. Dallas is a bottom five team in stopping third down conversions. They allow over 50%. Yeah, I'm going to hammer the Eagles minus eight in this game. I know we keep shitting on the Jets and the Giants, but Steve, without Dak Prescott and the way this offensive line is, Dallas may be the worst team in the NFL right now. Give me the over-under on 43. I'm actually going to fade this because it seems a little low for something so obvious. I would absolutely hammer the over in this matchup, um, but that's what's concerning to me. The only reason why I say that, man, the Cowboys' defense, Connor, is just atrocious. So 43 could be – like, I could easily see this, the Eagles scoring five touchdowns. And, you know, it's like, oh, the Eagles scoring five touchdowns. Well, you just gave up 25 to the Washington team of football. Other than that, just going through this real quick, since week one, they've given up over 30 a week, man. Like, 
this defense is absolutely terrible. This is, I don't know. I just think that the Eagles are going to score 35. There's really not much to say. The pressure is going to get to Danucci. Danucci is going to be turning over the ball. Short fields for the Eagles. This is this, Maybe the Cowboys don't score enough, but like there's still a ton of potential. They're going to feed Zeke. They're going to try to slow it down. But, I, you know, I could see Zeke finally having his big game. I, I'm just going to fade the over. Just seems a little low in my opinion. Watch Ben DiNucci come in and be the next best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? No, I'm taking the under. It's going to be in a fade, though. Five touchdowns for Philly is a bit much. They haven't been able to score over 30 points all year. I don't see them lighting it up. I don't see Dallas scoring very many points. I'm going to take the under on a lean. All right, and the final game of the week we are going to get to is the Monday night football game. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Meadowlands to play the New York Giants, and Vegas has the Bucks favored by 11 in this game, Steve. We're talking about the best defenses in the NFL, Connor. It's time that we start speaking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, man, Todd Bowles loses his job in New York, goes back to his defensive coordinator role, and, man, oh, man, does he have this defense rolling. They give up the third least amount of yards per game. They give up the least rushing yards per game. And they give up their top ten in rushing yards per game. Turnover Danny, like, we keep calling him Turnover Danny, and it's just like, it's kind of funny, but man, Turnover Danny turns over the ball every week. Let's go to the Giants and talk about, like, what they did against good defenses. Like, obviously, they're starting to get going a little bit, but again, here we go against good defenses. 13 points against the Bears, 16 against the Steelers, 9 against the Niners, 9 against the Rams. And then the football team they scored, the Eagles they scored a little bit, but this defense is more like the Bears and the Steelers, the 49ers and the Rams. Connor, I'm actually going to lean the Buccaneers on the big spread. I really think that another Dark Horse MVP is the one and the only Thomas Brady. He's starting to get back into rhythm. That offense is going Obviously, he is losing weapons here and there. Like, they keep getting dinged up. They lost O.J. Howard. Scotty Miller has missed time. Connor, if I told you Scotty Miller is the leading receiver on this team, are you bleep? No, I'd be hard-pressed to say that he is the leading wide receiver. Is that true for the whole year? Yes, he is, actually. And that's and like that's why I like when people say, like, can Antonio Brown come in in this offense and help? Well, absolutely. They've been dinged up at receiver. They've... Lost Mike Evans here for a little bit. I think Mike, or no, sorry, Mike Evans hasn't missed a game, but he's been banged up a little bit. Same thing with Scotty Miller. He's kind of been in and out. Gronk's kindly finally starting to catch some steam. But, like, Connor, it's really time to start talking about Tom Brady in this MVP discussion. This defense is tremendous. Tom Brady's been great. I said at the beginning of the year, I'll continue to say, I'm buying stock in the Buccaneers as the year goes on. I will take the Buccaneers minus 11 in a league, or sorry, in a fade. Might very well be, especially when he has all his weapons. I really like this Tampa Bay team. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Tom Brady, since week three, 15 touchdowns to one interception. You saw it last week. You finally got Leonard Fournette going, had 100 all-purpose yards. Rojo can do it. Uh, Antonio Brown's not going to be playing in this game. And Chris Godwin is out with a broken finger. But look for Scotty Miller, who's been having a quietly good year. And uh, Ty Johnson, they're going to step up big. And Rob Gronkowski, man, he gets more involved in the offense every week. New York Giants, they have no run game. 
Uh, Sterling Shepard is back, though. He's going to play. I believe he played last week as well. Uh, turnover Danny's just going to have a hell of a time against this defense. I could see them putting up similar points to what they did against Chicago. Uh, the Giants as a whole are scoring 17 points a game, but that we talked about this earlier, that top 10 run defense has stayed at 105 yards per game. So it's going to be interesting to see the combination of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette if they're going to be able to run the ball against this defense. I know Fournette had six catches for 50 yards last week, I believe. I could see them throwing to the running backs a lot out of the backfield. But yeah, I'm taking uh, Tampa Bay minus 11 in a wash. I am going to hammer Tampa Bay minus 11. I am super sold on them. Not sold on the Giants at all. Give me the over-under at 46 for this game. Uh, just going to fade the under here. I think the run defense for the Giants is pretty big to me. Um, I'm not really sure that Brady is just going to be able to control like he wants to... Tom Brady's team seems to be better when they are a run first and they're able to establish the run. So I, I think that and then obviously the defense for the Buccaneers is going to do its thing. It is going to hold the Giants to probably under 10 points, maybe 10, 13 points. I will fade the under in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to fade the under as well, too. Uh, when Tom Brady goes off, he goes off. And I, I see they could score for 35 points, no problem, 37 points. Giants can score 10 points against this team. Well, that pushes the over right there. So, I mean, but I don't know, man. It, it's hard to tell. This Giants D is top 10 against the run, and we've been criticizing it all year, but they're staying inside the top 10. So, all right, that is our week eight predictions uh thank you everyone for listening uh remember we're still doing another jersey giveaway we gave the first one away autographed deandre hopkins jersey uh we're gonna go out we're gonna get another uh, jersey uh football uh something real cool to give away to you guys yeah just a big thanks to everyone for listening uh any questions or comments leave them down below we always read them we try and respond and we always talk about them on the show too we like it when you guys give us things to talk about anything you want to say before we head out steve yeah just want to say congratulations Corey. one more time uh like i said truly deserved it uh with that being said, guys, get in this next one, man. It's going to be super good. Obviously, you guys didn't know what this first one was going to be. I think it turned out. We got a lot of good feedback about it. So, hey, listen, we're going to do it again. Super excited for you guys. Get in on this one and uh, keep sharing this with your buddies. Hopefully, it's the place you go to beat the bookies because there's nowhere better to be. Thank you for listening to the Lock for Dub podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Lock 4 Dub, the place to beat, beat the bookies.